You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Systematic Ecology or other podcasts that are in our network. And, and there's a question I want to lift up. In Systematic Ecology, we, we usually start with a, a question. And uh, so our comic books, just sketchy, funny books for children, or are or is there more depth to these graphic novels that uh, bring out and help teach literacy uh, to to a wide range of age groups? So, uh, yeah, we're going to start off this. Um, we're we're in this convention here. We're in this conference. We're in this workshop. We're in this podcast network. Where we're all hanging out with each other in person, giving bunny ears to people when we're, uh, <laughs> for those of you who are just listening and, and can't see the live stream. Uh, yeah, Joshua did the age old selfie bunny ears to, to somebody. Uh, but we're, we're with this uh, workshop and, and we wanted to kick off this discussion with Systematic Ecology leading the way to talk about like, you know, comic books, graphic novels are a big part of the geek verse. And I'm a big comic book fan. Uh, hello, I'm Will Rose. Uh, if you're listening, one of the hosts of Systematic Ecology and huge comic book nerd, uh, huge comic book geek. And the question was, you know, are stained glass in churches, is that just comic book for comic books for religious people? That's kind of the question that was lifted up here. And all of us are nodding our heads and just say, yes, mm-hmm. it is. And and I, and I think um, since the age of the dawn of mankind, of humankind, when when humans were able to ask the big questions and and wrestle with who they are and their place in the universe around campfires, uh, part of telling their story and passing it on is not just orally, but also painting pictures on the side of like caves and portraying like animals and the hunts and defeat and death and life. So so I think graphic images or pictures to tell a story has been around as long as humans have been. And so a big part of like the religious experience, uh, the religious experience hasn't been necessarily like everyone knows how to read and can pick up their Bible and put it in their lap and read the Bible for themselves. Um, Literacy is a big part of like the human story itself uh, from philosophy and religion. And so um, a big part of how you tell the story, express the story, share the story of God and who Jesus is or isn't um, is through stained glass or iconography. So um, I, I guess to my panels, I passed down this mic. Um, I think the first time I remember sitting in church, um, part of me was following the Lutheran liturgy and the bulletin and singing hymns and standing up and sitting down, as we talked about in a previous uh, part, <laughs> listening to the sermon, but also the images around me um, tell the story too. So my church had stained glass, and I remember specifically um, an image of like a hand coming down out of heaven, uh, like coming down out of the clouds towards like humankind or creation. And that being like the hand of God, either reaching down to grab us, uh, to uh, bless us or, or whatever. So for me, that was the first image I, I remember as a kid, this kind of image of God as a hand coming down to us, not necessarily us grab, grabbing for God, but God coming towards us. And so my, my question for the panel is, is there a certain image or a stained glass or an icon or something you remember seeing religious art that had an impact on you um, that you remember as a kid or growing up that sticks in your head? Uh, for me, I was at an Irish pub and there was a giant, beautiful painting of Bono and it was very religious. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's what I'm looking for. So yeah. I mean, really though, with their music, um, I'm just trying to think. Like art, my first experience with like art in the church. You know, gar- growing up more in the Baptist world, you don't have that as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me, I I'm hoping there's more more intelligent answers after this point. Nope. But like some of my <laughs> earliest experiences with like art in the church. This is silly. Would be like Veggie Tales. I think of that of like, mm, and they answer. have yeah, yeah animation. It is animation, and it's good animation, particularly for the '90s. Like it is pretty good animation, and I mean, Veggie Tales has their pros and cons. But at least for me, I have very fond memories of like you know growing up watching Veggie Tales. You know, a lot of my childhood spiritual development was through specifically veggie tales i was never an adventures and odyssey kid um 
just that was just never okay christian's laughing hard so christian's clearly the only one who knows what adventures and odyssey is uh, yes i guess okay. i do okay um but yeah i i would say veggie tales would be mine and then the bono painting nice so art in the church is you know been around for thousands of years it's really i think underrated but uh stained glass specifically doesn't get talked about enough because stained glass is you know back a couple hundred years ago uh stained glass was thought about when they were building the church because mm. you know they started getting plans for the stained glass and they would build the church so it would be uh, oriented so that the sun could come through the stained glass and you know make it pretty so I don't know, that's just something I like a lot about stained glass and, you know, church history. But uh, as far as impactful church art in my life, uh, it's really just the process in general is impactful. It was, has been impactful to me. Uh, specific pieces, not so much. I, I do. There's a little church in Inman where I'm from, sort of, yep. you know, around there uh, that has a stained glass of uh, the Sermon on the Mount which is gorgeous. Uh, you know, I always look at it if I'm nearby because uh, you can see it from the outside so I don't have to go in their church. Uh, it is Baptist. Uh, but uh, for me, it's that one. And that was, that was the piece that made me think like, wow, you know, stained glass is awesome actually. And, you know, just kind of made me start appreciating the whole church art thing more. Nice. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Good. I really like TJ's answer. Um, <laughs> growing TJ. up, not really. I mean, there was a few churches that had stained glass. I just never really thought about it. Didn't really care. Uh, the most thing that I knew growing up until college was um, art and pictures of Jesus and God bad. That was well, it. That's all I knew. No, no, no. That's bad too. <laughs> really? Unless it was specifically from like a prophetic dream or something that we can attach to like a spiritual moment of God because then God did it so it's okay. But if it was like a human that's like trying to depict God, God said don't make images of me so bad. Mm. You know, that was it. That was like the main thing I knew. Um, when I went to college, I took a lot of like archaeology different classes and I learned about like the architecture of the church and just the whole idea of how the entire building and stuff was structured in a way of how can we better point to God? How can we better worship God with how this is built? And just the attention to detail in that mm. was incredible, which is also something I'm learning right now in comic books of uh, just kind of seeing some of the attention to details, like just the, like, the minor things that some of these artists do to really bring out the story or bring out like the, the mode or like what their point is. Like even like some of the Moon Knight comics I really like, the darker ones. You'll see, like, they'll do little things to kind of show Kanchu in what he's doing sometimes. And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. So just, like, learning about the details, I guess, is the thing that I really appreciate. Yeah, I'll say for me, I'm kind of similar to Brandon in that regard. There's not too many Baptist churches I've been to where artwork is on full display. Now, as far as, like, the first picture I can remember being in a Baptist church, it'd probably be whenever we had picture time yeah, as a young lad. It's whenever we were told to, you know, make something based off of the Bible lesson, it would always be me and my perfected art. The only thing I can draw to this day of the snow speeders attacking the AT-ATs on Hoth, <laughs> which uh, is my favorite part of uh, Genesis. Nice. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. But uh, no, no uh, legitimately, yes, uh, apocryphal some would say, Yes, uh, like the sequel trilogy. But on other matters, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't help myself. This is an episode systematic egalism, among other things. You're allowed. Yeah, that's allowed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but actually, like as far as art in the church, I do remember, I don't know if I'm merging memories or something. I would not trust my memory that goes that far back if I were you, of seeing an image, it may have even been stained glass, of uh, God, uh, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon Jesus for the baptism. Nice. I mean, like, oh, gosh, was that what was happening? That sounds cool. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you read the story of the baptism of Jesus, and there's, you know, the voice, this is my son who I uh, love, um, the beloved, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you. And then you have, like, the dove, and you have Jesus, and there you have, like, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in one picture. You, you, you see that expressed. And so, yeah, I could read this short little story about the baptism, but I could also see uh, an image about it, an icon about it, um, a stained glass, and it embeds into who you are. We're extrasensory uh, creatures, and we learn different ways, visually, 
um, uh, experience, all those things is, is how we how we learn. And so I think stained glass, iconography, uh, images, along with words, along with teaching, along with relationships, all help us learn. And I think the church knew that from the very get-go. And so that's why I love comics, too, as a medium of like... Uh, of how I consume stories or or some of my favorite um, heroes and it, is that you have like words with pictures and art expression along with the the words my my wife has her doctorate in language and literacy she teaches that at at a at a, at a college and so a big part of teaching children how to read is seeing images on the page connected with a word as you turn the page. So picture books are big for children's book. Even if they can't read the words or or know what a noun or adjective or verb is, they're looking at what is happening on the page connected with words and turn the page. So it's a big part of literacy. If we're going to have literacy within the church of God's story, um, of those stories of scripture, then I think it's it's a both and of all those those things together. So that's why we wanted to bring it up. I think often like you you're a fifty year old man. You still collect comic books. I'm like, yeah, there's some good stories here. So it's a cool medium by which to share um, and express really really good stories. And yes, some could be juvenile or for kids, and some could be really dark and be like, wow, this is what we do. Just like any kind of genre you have on TV, you have. PG or G, uh, PG thirteen and R, same way within the comic book graphic novel medium. But but in terms of spirituality, I think it is important to, to acknowledge the both end of like the spiritual technologies of stained glass and pictures, along with teaching and words and sacrament. All those things coming together to express because that's who we are as as human beings. I thought of one because of how you were saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to do the the reverse. Card again. Here it is. Uno reverse card. Literature is my favorite form of art, really. So I guess the Bible, there were certain parts of reading the actual text as literature, and rather than just as like, uh, oh, these words have magical power, that really stood out to me and were beautiful. Particularly, this is really ironic. I've always had a huge affinity for the book of Leviticus. I think it's really fun. Because no. there's a lot of imagery and a lot of like symbolism, <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> Kristen, how does this lead into what's next? Okay, so yeah, uh, one of the ideas we had here was to use this episode as a way to discuss some of the things that we don't get to have a whole episode on for systematic ecology, some of the more niche things that we all like. Uh, we're all going in different directions today, and I say different because Joshua is on this panel, and we all love him. <laughs> so I'm going to start today with Pastor Will asking, uh, Pastor Will, is there anything like you don't get to have like a full episode on for SG that you'd love to discuss right now. Yeah. So one of our mottos at Cincinnati Ecology is everybody geeks out on something, right? Um, and so even at church uh, in my community of faith, um, they're like, oh, well, Pastor Will's like the Star Wars geek. He's a nerd because he likes sci-fi or Marvel. And I'm like, well, you know what? You probably geek out on something too. Yeah. So like, yeah, one of our mottos is that everybody geeks out on something. So even in church, when they're like, yeah, Star Will's the Star Wars guy and Marvel guy and likes comic books, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know what? You probably geek out on things that, you know, whether it's NASCAR or sports or uh, a wine connoisseur or whatever, you, everybody geeks out on something and has a hobby. And so all we like, like, we like what you like. Don't be a jerk. We all geek out on something. And yeah, we hit the big, like nerdy things and, and like geek first, but, but we also acknowledge that we might geek out on other things. So I, you probably heard this before. It's not a surprise, but one of the things I really geek out on is, is surfing. I'm a lifelong surfer. What? I grew up on the beach. I know it's hard to believe. I only, I only put it, slip it in, in every other episode I've shared before that it, the Bible proves that uh, God is a surfer, Genesis 1-2, and God's spirit hovered over the waters. And that why are we even here? Because God wanted uh, someone to surf with. But um, yeah, I really love surfing. The whole like yeah. primordial waves of chaos that you get to ride for sport or pleasure. I, I can't remember the first time I caught my first wave down at the beach. Um, that's how long I've been in the ocean would ride my boogie board, stand up on my boogie board when I was that little, and then got my first surfboard in elementary school and been surfing ever since. So, and now teach other people to surf, do surf lessons. I still check the webcams every day to see where there's waves and how I can get down to the coast. Uh, but like with other things, whether it's religion or, or fandom, there are different genres of surfing. There's different ways you can surf. Some people like to Right, you know, skim boards or boogie boards, short boards, long boards, big wave surfing, uh, competitive surfing, organized surfing, uh, free surfer, the spiritual, not religious. That all that, all those, <laughs> all those aspects you would have in any kind of like Christian denomination or religion, you have within 
uh, like surfing itself, which I think is amazing because uh, the World Surf League, which is like the NBA or um, NHL for for surfing. Um, man, you read their message boards of what people say, like, oh, good job, WSL. Way to pull that contest. You picked the worst day to have the contest. Mm-hmm. Oh, why'd you judge that person with an eight when they should have gotten a nine or a six? There's complainers and toxic fans when it comes to the WSL. Laid back hippie surfers should be like cool with things, right? Uh, but no, they're just as toxic as like Star Wars fans on uh, on Twitter. So, um, but that's what I geek out on. Um, in fact, I just talked about this on a newest uh, What's New episode with Nick and and uh, I was sending him like Instagram uh, posts of certain pro surfers and said, you should follow this person. You should follow this person. I'm sorry that I'm flooding your algorithm with surfers. <laughs> and if your wife gets mad at you that you're looking at like photos of like girls in bikinis and thongs, just tell them because they're really good surfers. Uh, and and yeah, like your algorithm will get fed with all kinds of, of surfing stuff. Um, but yeah, if you want to know like who to follow and like the pioneers of, of surfing, um, I think TJ's even shared before that like he played Kelly Slater surfer on on the PS2. We did too. Kelly Slater, yeah. the go-to surfer. I played on GameCube. Another bald-headed 50-year-old surfer from the East Coast, Kelly Slater. Um, so we bond over that, not in how many world titles that we have. So I yeah. kick out yeah. over surfing. Yeah, go ahead and yeah, get the mic real quick. get those world titles. Okay. Too. One day. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the fact that a pastor said all that. So there's that. But like, we'll, what would we say? Like, what is the best spot you've ever been surfing? Oh, that's a good question. Best spot I've ever been surfing. There have been a couple places. Man, I could talk about this all day, too. I do have to write a book one day. I have in my mind an outline of, like, theology of surfing, and the top is called God is a Surfer, and I'm going to make it happen one of these days, next sabbatical or this summer. I don't know. Um, but I've surfed mostly up and down the East Coast, mostly the wilmington Wrightsville Beach area. Wrightsville Beach gets good waves. Whenever there's a hurricane up the coast that doesn't slam against the, the coast but kind of stays out to sea, that's when you get the best waves. So there's definitely been spots around my home break the north end of Wrightsville Beach on a north swell has been some long, like point break, left hand waves that have gone down the beach that I've caught some some really good waves. I've surfed in Tahiti once when we were on a honeymoon. That was a really good day. I've surfed Costa Rica before. Um, I did get to surf California once on a conference by Huntington Beach, which was pretty cool. Like, you know, the foundation of like Surf City USA. Got to surf there one time. But um, um, but then in South Florida, I would say I'm South Florida, Boca Raton doesn't get a lot of waves, but the way the jet stream works and um, uh, the waves come through there. There was some waves that snuck through the Bahamas and there was a big day. I even have a picture of it downstairs on, in my office that um, of me catching a really big wave um, in South Florida, super clear water. Um, you would have thought you were in Indonesia or Hawaii. And, and there's a couple days down at Delray Beach, Florida, that I caught um, some of the best waves in my life. So Nice. Yep. Hi, right, Brandon. Uh, what are you bringing to the table? I've never surfed before, but I do like the movie The Endless Summer. I do like that movie. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah, The Quest for the Perfect Wave. Every time you talk about God as a surfer, this is heresy. I can only picture the silver surfer. That's the only thing that can come to mind. (laughs) It's the silver surfer. Harold Galactus. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, one nice thing about the olden days of SG when I was on here is that uh, you all did let me do a lot of weird, quirky episodes, partially because Joe and I, and even Pastor Will and TJ at times, we all had very quirky tastes. So I've been able to do some of my like quirky <laughs> fandoms. There's a pro wrestling episode. I'd love to do more pro wrestling, but there's a pro wrestling episode, Cthulhu Mythos. We did one on Ultraman. We did one on Godzilla. So I actually have gotten to check a lot of the like more quirky boxes. I would say the one big one that has still gotten through the gaps, even though I've pitched it before and I'm, I've considered starting my own project with this is um, I, I have a love for kung fu movies. I have a, I'm a lifelong yeah, martial yeah. artist, um, particularly like the 70s style stuff. I'm a bit of a snob. I have a harder time watching more modern Hollywood style action kung fu films, although I do think the John Wick movies do a really good job with the choreography. I'm a little not I'm not much of a Tarantino guy. I think we could do a whole episode because I, I think you like you like to do Kill Bill. OK, oh, absolutely. Volume one and two. I don't want to kill Bill. I want to talk a movie about Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing to qualify. So, yeah, um, there's not necessarily like a lot of spiritualism that we could get into. Well, Christianity, I should say. There's not a whole lot of like Christianity we could get into talking about kung fu movies. I do think that there's a great conversation at times on like obviously Asian culture or um, 
Eastern philosophy, religion, mysticism, Taoism, the whole nine yards. There is a lot of stuff that we could talk about moments where, hey, this does actually kind of sound like Christianity and other moments where it's like, no, but interesting thought, you know, still good to dialogue about. And obviously it's just fun watching Bruce Lee beat everybody up, including Chuck Norris. Is that my favorite person? Um, Favorite. Yeah, oh, will, I was his favorite. Person. Will beat me to that. Who's your favorite Kung Fu? Who is my favorite Kung Fu person? I grew up on Jackie Chan, so Jackie Chan is up there for me because I was a kid when like Rush Hour, Rush Hour Two, Rumble in the Bronx, all those movies Jackie were coming out. Jackie Chan Adventure. Oh, I do remember the Jackie Chan Adventure cartoon. Bruce Lee, uh, as a martial artist and as a philosopher, has really played a big role in my life as well in the martial arts and in spiritual development. I would say currently I am a big fan of a guy named Tony jaw, J a a. Um, he's in the movie, the protector, which is phenomenal. If you've ever seen a clip of a guy fighting his way, it's there's no cuts in the fight sequence. Okay. Of him fighting his way up a set of stairs. This was like a really popular video clip on like YouTube for a while. That's from that movie. It's all about a guy trying to rescue his elephant because it because in I think it's the Philippine culture elephants are very significant within Buddhism and Muay Thai and blah 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 Tarantino produces that movie too by the way so that's me okay so you have like a favorite movie out of all those 70s flicks oh uh, Fist of Fury by okay. for sure that is uh, easily my favorite obviously if you've never seen Enter the Dragon that's like the Bruce Lee movie it's got the famous mirror fight scene you have to watch Enter oh, the yes. Dragon Way of the Dragon's also really good because that's the one where Bruce Lee fights Chuck Norris very young yes. beardless incredibly hairy chested Chuck Norris um, <laughs> but Fist of Fury is probably my favorite because of all of Bruce Lee's uh, films that is the one that has always like connected with me the most on there's a little bit more meat on that film than other ones that are just like great fight scenes have you ever seen Kung Fury Kung Fury oh yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Kung Fury that was a lot of fun okay. that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. my oh. favorite part is when he's like the girl is hanging on him and see he's like, Yeah, that's my bicep, babe. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. One la- one last question oh. for Brandon. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched the original Green Hornet at all? Oh yes. Okay. I actually have Okay, maybe I shouldn't admit to this. I actually have a bootleg DVD copy of the original <laughs> Green Hornet series. I got it at a, okay. I think I got it yeah. at a Comic-Con. Yeah, I love that series. That's awesome. All right. Now, next up, and certainly the best in this group, TJ. Now, what would you like to discuss? For your geeky topic, you don't get to discuss like you would. So many things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we were just doing one until like. A I mean, we minutes. can do more than one. We can cheat as we always do. Perfect. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's our show. I'm gonna. I'm only gonna talk about one thing though. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Apex Legends. What you talk about that all the time? That doesn't count. No, I don't. It, it's on so many what's news. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's not the main focus. New. Don't listen to this evil man. Continue. But this topic specifically is something. We haven't had an episode about. <laughs> Nor should we. This is why I'm doing it. That's right. Give it. Give you it. Have freedom. Hater. You have freedom on my show where I lead to do what you please. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I have about 800 hours in Apex Legends. Uh, I started playing last August. And uh, basically, Apex Legends is the greatest battle royale game ever created. Easily. Why were you addressing that to me? Huh? Have I, I challenged yeah, I was just you on that before? <laughs> Will, was, Will was writing something. I was going to look at him and see what he was writing. <laughs> but you know what you did. But the reason Apex is is good. It's it's not you know the first one. Uh, it's not. Well, no, it is the coolest. To be fair, but the reason it's so popular is because at its core, uh, Apex is probably mechanically the most impressive battle royale game and that's because the game that it's built on and based off of is titanfall and if you haven't played titanfall it is one of the best movement games of all time you can do so many wacky things in the engine that it's built on it's it's ridiculous you have to like look up titanfall gauntlet speed runs but it trust me it's crazy Okay. But this combines in with, you know, the battle royale general mechanic of, you know, the storm and gunfights and into what really is just 
the perfect Battle Royale experience, in my opinion. That's also uh, might be one of the most poorly managed games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but the devs not to care or something, or the, they just they the just patch things without realizing the consequences. It, it just everything they do, just something else goes wrong. But uh, it also has such a good, interesting cast of characters. I think it, the game is pretty well balanced. Uh, maybe it could be better. It could definitely be better. But uh, pretty much every legend is viable. It's a good game. Basically, is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, table tennis as well. I never get to geek out about table tennis. Ping pong. Uh, ping pong. It's not one of the oldest sports in the world. Uh, it is one of my favorites, though. Also, uh, created in England, by the way. Uh, it is not an Asian sport. They play it in most countries around the world, but it is actually, I think it's the fourth most popular sport on the planet because it's everywhere. I am surfing at number three. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, we've got a ping pong table in the room with us right now. Yeah. Would you like to give your win loss record? Yeah. I've never lost. Yeah. <laughs> He's never lost. He never will. Yeah, for sure. He's the best of the best. He's TJ. Yeah. You want those? Has he? Has Josh ever actually used that as one of your ridiculous intros? Because that seems like an actual one. That <laughs> no, I was taking a mental note right now. But, no. <laughs> but uh, ping pong is. I love it because if you the faster you think, the better you could be at ping pong if your hands can keep up. But it's like playing chess at like you know sixty miles an hour. It's it's fantastic. Mm. Don't you like keep up with like actual some of the professional stuff and like where the like courts I are? I do. And stuff? I haven't like this this year so much. Who's what? Who's the name? Who's the goat of table tennis? Like the Michael of all time, TJ, of Randy Daytona. Other other than Jan, TJ, Jan Ove Waldner. Say that again. Jan Ove Waldner. Who's from? He's he's Paraguay? from uh, Germany. Germany. That yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Who's Luther? Probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, so my personal favorite, also German, is Timo Boll. Uh, insane. He's like, he's like the the Titan Destroyer of of table tennis. Because believe it or not, uh, Japan, Korea, and China have kind of been running uh, the the global tournaments for quite a few years. They were actually about to take table tennis out of the Olympics because China was dominating it so hard for so many years. <laughs> yeah, but Timo Boll himself, I think, I think he has. 12 gold medals in ping pong is ridiculous ridiculously talented player uh but Jan Olve Waldner I only brought up really because uh the office episode where Dwight Dwight brings him up I thought that was super funny when I saw that for the first time (laughs) but um no it's actually T-Mobile uh Ma Lin and Ma Long right now not related uh two excellent Chinese players they've been kind of running the game for years uh it's been them versus timo bowl pretty much uh timo bowl is getting older though and it's it's looking a little little bleak and okay. uh, no one's stepping up to replace them and the the new younger chinese players are getting better uh they're, they don't, they just don't stop getting better they also get paid a ridiculous amount of money for playing ping pong in, in china uh, some of the professionals because they get sponsorships uh they make you know several million dollars a year uh, I think. Oh, what, they have like sponsors that? and stickers on their handle, so they can show. No, no, no you actually you can't put anything <laughs> on your handle. Okay. Yeah, they go on the shoes though. Um, yeah, the shoes, okay. the shirt. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I own a couple pairs of uh ping pong shoes. That feels like a whole separate conversation. Yeah. <laughs> his own paddles, his own balls. Everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they're sponsored with pro surfers, too. Like, they put stickers on their surfboard. You know, kind of like NASCAR. You know, you put stickers on who you're sponsored by and who supports you and how you get paid. There's a whole thing of, like, how do professional athletes get paid and who pays them. Same way with surf, pro surfing. Like, they put the stickers on. But, I'm, you know, yeah, ping pong is a big, big market. The Olympics. Surfing just got allotted. Uh, um just got added to the Olympics last go around uh, when when they were in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year it's in France, so they're going to have the Olympic um, the Olympic wave they're going to do for surfing is in Tahiti, a uh, big mm-hmm. wave of consequence there. So anyway, but yeah, like how you get paid, sponsorship, all that. 
yeah. It's fascinating with ping pong. I love that, man. <laughs> I could probably do an episode on Converse. Your uh, your <laughs> comment about ping pong shoes reminded me. I do really like talking about Converse. Oh, cool. Wow. But uh, a lot of the sponsor does come from the paddles they actually use. Uh, most people don't know this, but if, uh, the kind of ping pong paddles they use cost uh, about $300, 400 Because uh, they're, they're piecemeal, they're bespoke. You know, you make them you know, one piece at a time. And then you get the rubbers separately from the paddle. The paddle can be extremely expensive. It's a whole big thing. I love ping pong. Say something about one piece? One piece is good. But we can do one piece yeah, episodes. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of those along the way. So, Joshua, I hesitate to ask, but uh, what would you like to discuss for this? Things you don't get to geek out on Just as one. much as you would yeah. like. I wrote down 42 different ones. Excellent. Um, no, no, no. I, uh, first off, I want to say why I was so excited about this episode was to hear Will talk about surfing, Brandon talk about Kung Fu, TJ talk about ping pong. And brand and uh, obviously Christian's going to pick being Baptist for the thing. That yes, <laughs> I don't get no, to do that. Uh, I'm yeah, around yeah. the Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> Those squares so, don't understand the good situation they're in. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I actually had four, but two of them I love. I don't have a ton to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about them. Um, I was going to talk about sea turtles and trains. I love both of those a lot, but I don't really have a ton to say. So the other two I was going to pick. Was uh, camping stuff and Florida State football or college football in general. Um, I'll start with camping stuff. I really enjoy watching like videos and like looking at construction. Even they got like the chemical structures of stuff. Like when you're building fires, like the different kind of fires you can build for a campsite. You know, I, I like to test out with different kinds of woods, the different settings, like what works better. Because ideally, if you have wet wood, you should be able to do the reverse pyramid fire where you start with the big stuff on bottom and the little stuff on the top so that it burns quicker. And as the stuff, the ashes fall down, it dries out the wood on the bottom, but it's really hard to do. Huh. And it only works with certain woods. So I like to test that out a lot because I'm just like, what if it works with this? For the record, it definitely doesn't work with anything resembling palm wood at all. <laughs> but it's actually just too wet for anything to work. I think every time I've seen Josh try it, it doesn't work. For the I did it the other day at home. It works okay no if you're in, like, South Carolina, not near the ocean where everything is wet. Because you need at least some stuff on top to be dry. Or you can't even get it started. So if you're uh, near the coast and all your palm wood is wet and it's the only wood around you, just make your peace with God. You're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. No, um, I actually, one year at our church camp, I taught kids the four different, like, main types of campfires you could do and had them split into groups and try each one to see what would burn the longest. You know, giving them instructions, explaining how wood works and everything, and just seeing who was able to do it. The reverse pyramid one, one huge. It went, I think, three hours longer than everybody else's fire. It was wild. But uh, my favorite would be the log cabin fire. So it because it has a lot of air. So once it gets started, it will just burn and you have to do nothing to upkeep it. So you're basically you have two on each side and then two going the other way, just back and forth. And you start the fire in the bottom in the center and it just kind of burns up and out and it will grow. And uh, because of how it's structured, you don't really have to worry about things falling off or adding things to it or anything. You can just build a really, really big one and leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there's campfires, different kind of tents. I really like I used to like just collect different kind of tents and camping bags and stuff. And like it got really into like what's the like what's the sweet point of how i'm carrying enough stuff to be prepared but also not so much that it's harder to go long distances like different ways that you can hike and stuff to go further or like that kind of stuff i just really enjoyed doing that and figuring that out um i just kind of do it in college and love that so it's fun i think my other one the reason i think it's weird my my college football thing i geek out on isn't like normal. I don't keep up with like player names and I'm not like, oh man, I just love a good tackle. I love coaches. I love the strategy. I like looking at what kind of players do you have out? What are you projecting to the other team? I especially love teams that like have a lot of wide receivers out. Like I love plays that are like, oh man, this is definitely a pass. And then it's just absolutely not. Like I love when they do that kind of stuff, just kind of observing like even the recruiting process. 
Um, I don't like Alabama, but I love that Nick Saban does great, not because he recruits the number one players. A lot of times they don't have the number one players. He does great because he repl- he uh, recruits a lot of the two, second, third, fourth, fifth. Their bench is absolutely insane. You're not going to run through Alabama's bench ever. You're either going to out-coach them, out-play them, or he will just simply smother you with how deep his bench is. Yeah. <laughs> it is phenomenal. And just kind of looking at like how he was able to build that – like what kind of plays and structures and strategy are they able to use as they go through? Um, right now, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm a big Florida State fan. Watching, we've had a lot of struggles since Bobby Bowden. A lot of coaches came in that uh, I didn't like and weren't very great. Some of them I loved. They just did not succeed. Um, our current guy, though, watching how he's been able to recruit people. He's taking advantage of this new thing. They have the transport the transfer portal that's just kind of started and he's super took advantage of it. So our recruiting stuff, if you include transfer, we're like the number three team or something right now. It's absolutely absurd because two years ago, we won one game, I think, one or two games the entire year. Last year, we were dangerous. Like we ended top 10. This year, they're thinking we could be playoff potentially championship game. And it's like this guy started recruiting, getting the right players, switching stuff around. Completely changed the team from where we had a lot of running quarterbacks to now I'm going to teach you how to sit in the pocket and we're actually going to get a line that knows how to guard the quarterback so that you have time to throw. And I don't know. I love strategy. I just like the thinking part of it, I guess, which is really weird. It's like watching a chess game that people get injured during. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> I'm hesitant to ask this follow up question, but just for my own curiosity's sake. You have mentioned over and over and over again this weekend that you enjoy geeking out on trains. And my only clarifying question is, <laughs> are we talking about like the like actual trains or model trains like Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory? Actual trains, also the band. Also the band. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually really love all songs by train. Okay. In fact, uh, TJ helped me with this. TJ is a great friend. Uh, with his help, we've created a playlist. I think it's, what, tw- 13, 14 hours long of just songs that either 13. are by train or say train or are about trains. Or have train sounds in them. Yeah, or have train sounds in them. <laughs> in fact, he made me delete one because I kept one on there that was like 10 minutes of just a mic that was in the passenger cab of a train. And it's like, I'm just listening to noises in a train. A teacher said, Josh, that does not belong on a playlist. Please take that out. Right on. If it's not a Thanksgiving playlist, it's a train playlist. I do have a phenomenal Thanksgiving playlist. I'm well aware. (laughs) I also geek out on Thanksgiving and different ways to cook turkey, but I've talked about that before and will again. Okay, yeah, I brought that one on myself. I'm sorry. I guess uh, for me, I'll keep it simple. I had a couple of ideas, but I'm just going to narrow it down to something I know. I'm probably the only person to have watched a lot of these, and they're – very early 60s, 70s, and 80s mecha anime. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's giant robots, sometimes in space, sometimes on Earth, sometimes both. And they go around and they attack, you know, invading alien forces or they're fighting other nations or they've got colonies on Mars or colonies on the moon or colonies and satellites all around orbiting the sun. And war is discussed and you get great characters coming in. You get awesome battle fights and like, I want to talk about my favorite mecha anime, which is Galaxy Drifter Vifon, which I know for sure no one here has watched because I definitely, uh, well, let's just say uh, illicit means may have been used by someone, certainly not me, to watch all of it because it's not available anywhere. As I, uh, maybe it is at this time. Who knows? Not when I watched it. Uh, uh, assuming, of course, I was that person, which would be very odd to do. Yeah. But just to see this very it takes a basic idea from something like Jules Verne from one of his lesser known novels of like two years vacation adrift at the Pacific and has all these children who are being forced they flee their planet after being invaded by these alien overlords and now they're being followed pursued by them it's like how do they wrestle with that how do children respond to being forced to fight in war and you get that across a lot of mecha series like you get your deconstructions like your Zambot 3s you get your your uh, Mobile Suit Gundam series, which like the message is always war is hell. Do you watch Mobile Suit? I mean, uh, Iron Blooded Orphans. Absolutely, good one. Absolutely, favorite. 
Uh, no, I think I placed for Gundam. I know this is my terrible opinion for once, is that Devil Zeta is my favorite Gundam. Then I go, oh gosh, what's after it's Devil Zeta? It, uh, after, after War Gundam X, then the third one is Turn A Gundam, then Gundam Wing. No, so, excuse me, Iron Blood Orphans, then Gundam Wing. Really? And then uh, Unicorn. Translate. Unicorn? Yes. Bad opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> TJ can confirm. Yeah. So you will find very few people who have Double Zeta among their favorites, let alone their number one. But yeah. you won't find a lot of people who don't have Gundam Wing and Iron Blooded Orphans like at the top of their list. Yeah. Uh, especially in the American fandom, which just hasn't, you know, gone above and searched beyond what's readily available to them, if I may say so. But I, I just love. Other than the fact that I've always loved seeing giant things attack each other. I'm a huge kaiju guy. I've seen every Ultraman they've ever made. Uh, just like uh, Brandon brought up earlier, Godzilla. Godzilla is my man. I mean, on a whole church episode, I said Megalon was my favorite god ever. <laughs> you, in fiction, I don't think you'll ever find anyone say Megalon because he looks so ridiculous. But I love him for it. But, yeah, I mean, that's where I stand on all that. So any follow-up questions there? Are we good? Favorite overall was you said uh, Galaxy Director Vifom, then I'd say Garen Lagan, then Voltes Five, then Gundam Double Zeta. Speaking of a less than ideal means to watch things, yes, I, I've imagined that one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes is actually one that you can't get in the states. Mm -hmm. It's really good. It has two different Doctors and the Yeti in it. I don't remember the name of the episode, but uh. I'll, I'll see if someone could possibly find a way to have you see it one day when you visit Europe or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as that issue goes, I mean, I've, I guess we already brought it up, so why not? I think that might be one of the things I know for sure is a sin in my heart of hearts. But if that's all I have to answer for when I get up there, I'll <laughs> no, be okay. This Which episode is plenty is, I have to answer for. This episode is sponsored by Surfshark VPN. <laughs> 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 I, we wish... So, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us uh, for this episode. This was another fun time. Can you I uh, go for, you want to sign us off? I, I actually just I wanted to deposit the deeper part of the question. Uh, I'll go for it. To Will. Who <laughs> <laughs> never first. Will, Will, yes. what does I mean, we're talking about all these things that like none of the rest of us really care about. I don't know. I think, I, I think is it there? Yeah. Other than Brandon. Brandon's <laughs> is awesome. Um, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> What what do you think the church can learn anything about honoring one another's individuality and the geek in me seeing the geek in you in a meaningful way without having to like love surfing? Yeah, up oh, here comes the cans. Here comes the can. No, no, fantastic question because I think you know if if uh, Paul was writing like First Corinthians chapter twelve today, he would be like. What should the Star Wars say to the Star Trek fan? I, you do not belong to me. What if the Gundam Wing said to the Bruce Lee fan, I have no I use of like you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what in the hell do trains have to do with ping pong? You know, you know. Can you play ping pong on a train? Probably not. Um, you can. Uh, so, so like, I, I think we acknowledge within the diversity within the church. Paul is writing like, yeah, what, what should the eye say to the ear? Blah blah blah. Like all the, all that stuff. I think is important that we all geek out on something. And and yeah, like I I. Most part of the stuff that we heard in this episode, I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, they're using words I've never even heard spoken by a human being before. But the fact that my friend geeks out on it, I want to know more about it. So like, oh, cool. I'd love the anime style and Gundam and Kaiju and all that kind of stuff. Like, oh man, all right. I know who the top uh, pro surfers are. I know who has the most world championships. I don't know the names of, of ping pong. So like, except TJ, TJ knows too. <laughs> Do you know who the goat of women surfing is? Um, Kelly with an eye slater. No, no, Stephanie Gilmore. The, the yeah, but no, like there, there's things we don't know from me. We might have heard them in the zeitgeist to pop culture, but there's a lot of deep cuts in there. It's like, man, if that makes you excited and you're really getting out, why? Let me know. Um, I want to know more about, and it lets me know more about who you are as an individual person and 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 your personality and what you care about. And so I think 
and that can often disarm and break the ice for folks. Like if I'm doing a youth camp and, and we're sitting around a table and they're really nervous about that week, I'll often do like, ours oh, an icebreaker. You know, what's your, if you could only have one food, um, on a desert island, what would you choose? And they're like, ah, oh, you know, they, or what's your favorite superhero? Or what's your, uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? You usually disarm, you're like, ah, oh, they can relax and be like, this is, and people are like, yeah, I like that, I like that. And it's the same thing where you talk about what we could get on. So I think it, it serves a purpose. And when you go and gather into a community, faith community or whatever, in a room full of people, if you have some social anxiety, just know that everybody in that room geeks out on something, is a fan about something, passionate about something, has a favorite TV show or, or music genre, or maybe a black belt and kick your butt if you touch them too uh, on their shoulder <laughs> yeah. and they're not looking. Yeah. Brandon may, may, be, may sweep the legs in Cobra Kai. Uh, <laughs> so so that, that could happen. Um, but I think so, just respecting and understanding where people are when it comes to like, Everybody keeps telling something. Would you say I can't fully love Will without loving Surfer Will? And I can't fully love Brandon without loving martial artist Brandon? Is that like something I need to be able to love to say that I'm really loving them well without loving the thing itself? What do you think about Joshua? I'm thinking you're going to say yes, but in like a really cool, wise way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So how to answer that very cool wise way would wise way would be yes. Amen. Man, your yeah, guess yeah. does sound better. <laughs> I know. No, yeah, like do you have to understand all there is about surfing uh to to love and appreciate Will? No. But but if you have like, oh, if that makes Will happy and he geeks out on that, I would like to learn more, then that draws us closer together. And I guess that whole like gatekeeping, geek shaming, all that kind of stuff. There might not there may be some things that like I could care less about trains, I guess. But like <laughs> um but if we really get down to it and I get to know um Joshua, he'd be like, this is what's cool about it, the engineering behind it, how it was used, the history behind it, what what makes them go, what makes them work, and all that the designs are different um speed trains, slow trains, coal trains. I don't know. Uh coal train? Coltrane. Yeah. Cool name. Coltrane. Yeah. That's a cool name for a musician, <laughs> yeah. I think. But, but yeah, like you don't have to love all of that to love me, but, but if you love me, then maybe you getting to know it more or deeper, um, will be a part of us growing in our relationship with each other. Yeah. The great philosopher, Jim Gaffigan has said before <laughs> that, uh, he loves McDonald's and that obviously there's always people who are like McDonald's is so bad for you. But part of his uh, part of his bit is acknowledging the fact that everybody has a McDonald's, whether it's literally McDonald's or not. It's different for some people. It's glee for some people like everyone has like that guilty pleasure thing celebrity that magazine. celebrity man magazine. That was one of them. How can all of us name three people that Jennifer Aniston dated? Like just like stuff like that. Like everyone has it's all McDonald's. And if you care about British royalty, that's Burger King, um, which is timely from last weekend. Um, but like everyone has that type of a thing. And uh, to Will's point, it's like, I don't think you necessarily, we don't necessarily all have to have the same McDonald's. Although, um, I don't think we all have to have the same McDonald's, but I think we need to acknowledge that. We all need to acknowledge that we all have some quirky thing, whether it's train, surfing, ping pong, whatever it may be. We all have that quirky thing that we really enjoy. But I also think, and I'm just, I'm speaking experientially at this point, that there is benefit to, I don't think you have to embrace it, but I think there is benefit to making an attempt to embrace it. And I only know that because I'm a Swifty now because of my wife. I watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise and actually enjoy it because of my wife. And my wife started watching pro wrestling because of me. She asked to watch me and my brothers, we Claire and I had only been dating for like four months. My brothers and I, we were going to watch the 2017 Royal Rumble. Great one. Brock Lesnar immediately thrown out by Goldberg. It was a great moment. <laughs> and I was telling her about it. We were. It, it was a Sunday. We had just gotten out of church. I was telling her what our plans for that evening. And she wanted to stick around and watch it. And I was like... Hold on. Hold on. My mom said that you wouldn't want to do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she... She has gone on record before that for if you don't know what the Royal Rumble is, 30 people are in the fight. So she was like, this is the best one for me to watch for the first time. I just saw 30 people that now I'm familiar with. So 
it, okay. to your question, I think, yeah, you don't have to necessarily, you don't have to like chips down, go into it. But I think there is a possible benefit to at least, you know, watching some ping pong with your good friend sometime. So what do you think about Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift dating? Oh, yeah, this is, is like the new big rumor, right? Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, totally McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> totally McDonald's. I do, I'm, I'm waiting for it all to be confirmed. It's yeah. all speculation. <laughs> they were seen holding hands yesterday. Oh, did, oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the ring already. <laughs> also, Timo Vol beat a machine designed specifically to play ping pong. <laughs> Just end the show on I'm going to I'm going to get a really... I hope this doesn't sound too weird, but I'm actually kind of curious on your take on this because it was an act of love for me and I want to know if it was received as that. I never wanted to play ping pong. I never cared about playing ping pong. I spent the last eight months, every single break at work, trying to learn to play ping pong so that when TJ beat me, it would actually at least be a game so that maybe he would enjoy it more because I Did care about TJ. Did that, does that like received as a gift of love or was that just like a weird thing that I did that you're like, Josh, why'd you do that? I've received it. Thanks. <laughs> it was always fun though. <laughs> yeah. Just effortlessly destroying me is also enjoyable, but Vic- less enjoyable maybe. Still is. Yeah, victory always <laughs> is. All right, guys, with that in mind, thank you for listening to this very special episode of SG. The, uh, thank you for all your support that was, we were able to actually come here and do this in person together. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you as well for your continuing support, whether it be just listening to the podcast or joining Patreon or Discord or YouTube, what have you. But remember one important thing. We're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.